consider myself somewhere in the vicinity of ready to record. Really? Yeah. Is it, is it like recording? Hit, hit the button, maybe. Oh, you did hit the Perhaps. button. Nice. Could be. Here we go. One, two, three, four. Wee woo, five. wee woo, wee woo. No. I was referencing a Hobo Johnson song. Anyway, um, welcome. To the Movie Overload podcast, where we will be covering 100 essential films from a trip to the moon, to Parasite, and everything in between, except for Woody Allen. (laughs) That is my song that Um, I spent eight years on. Audio only listeners of the pod did (gasps) not see me grooving just now. Dang, I guess you should really hop on that video feed. YouTube listeners also did not see you grooving. Patreon listeners. They're, they are did. also audio-only plebeians. Uh, I live for Hunter's grooving. If you were on the Patreon right now, but well, you'd have access to right now. one extra ASMR episode probably or something. Well, then I gotta adjust my microphone because I started the recording without adjusting it properly. Ba-dunk. That was relatively noise free. Made pretty much no noise. I'm yep. glad you I called it. I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you know, because usually when you rotate microphones, they go. <laughs> well, it didn't. So I guess that was That's a miscalculation. My job. Should I add some in for effect? Yeah. <laughs> Please do. Ah! Okay, I'm done. I don't like that, actually. Can you take it back? Yes. In the edit. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Anyway, I like that you edit the podcast. Why and I don't have to think about it. Why anything. have we gathered here today? We've we gathered, gathered here today beloved. to look through a front door. Whoa. Oh, 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 oh. I don't even do that every day. Apologies. So. I think maybe I was thinking about the the, the prequel to uh, what we're actually discussing. The today. 2020 prequel. Front door, the prequel to the to the 1954 movie Backdoor. No, to Rear Window. Oh, I get it. Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window. That was very funny. Well done. I think I've seen that movie. I'm really good at doing bits. Yeah, that's true. You're you're kind of the bit queen. Bit queen. Whoa. Not Bitcoin. Bit queen. Don't do Bitcoin. I have a question. Scam Uh, word. What? what's what is what is all all y'all's name as you know is, oh, yeah. is tradition we usually ask what are your names generally my name is hananana okay hannah for short i'm traditionally known as hunter okay i um my name is cornbread whoa and i am i well i will corn slash bread yeah corn slash bread <laughs> uh fuck around and find out yeah um which means we're all unique and interesting and that's cool well done I'm not in the business of being unique and interesting. That's true. I'm in the business of being milquetoast. <laughs> I guess that's that's how I am too. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, I'm like I'm literally here being like just like basic bitch. I have I have basic bitch film opinions. I like Orson Welles and Akira Kurosawa <laughs> and <laughs> Charlie Chaplin and Jean Renoir. Ooh, I basic mean, bitch. They're basic good. bitch. They're acknowledged as good for a reason. I know. Surprise. But I'm not uh, out here being like, actually, my favorite director is... Alfred Hitchcock. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> Wait, I love Christopher <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> it's so Sorry. Good. Don't give me uh, shit. Uh, okay. I was just Hannah. realizing it was... Guess what? Uh, Hannah, it's fine. Hannah, watch Tenet. 
Oh, I do want to watch. Tenet. I'm anxious to hear what you think. I also about never it. watched but Interstellar because I think I watch. I had to leave. When I'd we rather it. watch Tenet again than watch Interstellar again. Damn. I just saw a review past my dash the other day for Tenet, but it was two stars, and it was like he's finally understood who he is now, hmm. and I don't. Yeah have enough thoughts I, because I've only ever really seen Inception and the Prestige and the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, I don't Agreed. know. My fa- my favorite take, honestly, at this point for Tenet is just being like, it's really, really dumb oh. and stupid, but it's so, it's still fun to watch. Right, okay. That's How like, rude. You know, like it's And not, it's still better than Interstellar? It's literally doing nothing narratively, like not a single thing. <laughs> That's not the point. But like it just is him leaning really hard into just Nolan shenanigans, yeah, and that's, gimmicks, you know, and that's to some extent okay. In Gimmick filmmaking opinion, is valid. He like peaked yeah. with Inception. I just yeah. cannot think of a concept for a film that's better than that with that it's cast. Great. Like it's pretty fun. So good. I had a fun time with it. I also it's love good. like weird trippy films like uh shutter island that y'all won't watch i'm going to that's so i love it okay no this is why this podcast is good this is my this is my statement because i'm out here being like tokyo story and you guys are like eh doesn't work for me i know it works for a lot of people though and you out here being like inception and i'm like eh doesn't work for me i know a lot it works for a lot of people right it's good. I like it. Variety, diversity. It's, it's variety right. and diversity, but always at least on each film, at least one of us is giving a good take. You know what I mean? You True. have a good take on Inception and I don't. Here we are. Because I don't know if it's we can be generally accepted to be quite good and I just think it's fine. I've shifted closer to that side of things as time has gone on. With Inception? Yeah, but you're that's the thing is that you're in the middle of these two polarities, yeah. right? Because you're like a little bit more into it, but not quite as much. And this and same to be said for things like Seven Samurai and Tokyo Story, where you're like a little more for it. Yeah. So what I'm saying so. is it's good. Oh, yeah. We got it all. Just but a centrist. You know what? That makes you the centrist. <laughs> that makes you kind of the Fuck. everyman of the podcast. Fuck. I didn't know I was losing a brother today. Okay, I thought, I I couldn't remember if you had been around for any of those conversations, but basically when we watched Inception in the theater, I mean, we're going to have an episode on Inception eventually, you know, in like a year. (laughs) But like, it was just like, you know, it was the first time I'd watched it in years. And I could just tell watching it that my taste had changed (sighs) and just kind of evolved (sighs) and watching it. I was like, this is still like good and fun and like this is appealing and I get why young me thought this was like the greatest thing of all time and I still like it, but it's just, it's not the like top tier movie to me now that it was when I watched it when I was like 13. I'm upset and I'm hurt, but I'll forgive you eventually. I don't know. My only reasoning is like I am... I'll own up to the fact that I'm not really majorly into action in general and action movies and stuff. Like I you think will it can not be cool. like Tenet. It's probably not going to be my thing. <laughs> that's the only thing. That it's that not that I doing. actively dislike it. It's just that that is not going to get me engaged in a film. I need to be emotionally engaged and my taste has changed. Right. Cause like yeah. in 2017 or earlier, if you showed me inception, I'd be like, Whoa. Yeah. And baby yeah. driver came out and I was like, Whoa even though that's got some good action filmmaking and there's a lot of things I like about it, 
I really need something to kind of say something yeah. or I don't know, even if it's some sort of like weird meta narrative or I don't know. It just, it, I, yeah, I don't think you can yeah. sell me on a gimmick any like you're a gimmick i know i am i'm a different kind of gimmick valid but but i i don't know i want to be able to be more interested and engaged in that kind of filmmaking because it clearly has value uh to a lot of people and is something that like a lot of people really enjoy and i don't like feeling like i'm on the outside of that it's okay but i don't i don't know i just kind of was like Oh uh, yeah, I don't know humanism and naturalism yeah. and Terrence Malick, and then I, I fell out of it. I think Nolan is just kind of a curiosity more mm-hmm. than anything, and it's really cool that you can do the kinds of things that he does. Yeah. Like when I think of Inception, the only thing I think of is like the room spinning and how they filmed that, and like yeah. that being it's really incredible. Yeah. I still think he does things that no one else is doing. And he's like, yeah. he kind of feels like maybe the only person that they will let do those things. Right. Well, there's the only person they'll and spend like, the money on. Yeah. Like, I respect that. And that's yeah. pretty cool. And I like that he and can I'm, do those things. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that kind of thing exists because it's definitely had a, I think it's had a positive impact in some ways. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it didn't mean that I remember the names of the characters. Oh, yeah. No. Or something. Definitely. You know? Well. Anyway. This I, is not the Inception podcast. Oh, yeah. Bring this back around. Oh, hell yeah. This Let's talk about someone who's maybe a little bit more in the vein of, say, Nolan than Kurosawa in the sense of a little bit more about the thrills. Yes. The thrills. A little less about the chills. Let's talk about Rear Window, everybody. Note and note. And Ahem. maybe one kills. And some kills. Womp womp. That's true. Okay, let's do it. Yo. My homies what you got for right. me whoa i do abstract and then plot right wow you can do whatever in a minute you hi like. here's my abstract you can do short the conclusion to the first point. <laughs> and that Get is ex- the movie thank you for listening what sources Goodbye. did you use on this? experiments uh, <laughs> i don't want to talk about it <laughs> okay rear window is a 1954 <laughs> american mystery thriller film directed by alfred hitchcock and written by john michael hayes based on cornwell cornwell Cornell Woolrich's. For Cornwell Woolrich. I saw the W in Woolrich and I got excited. His name is so interesting. Cornell Woolrich's. So good. 1942 short story called It Had to Be Murder, which I read in one of my English classes. Go me. (laughs) For being a nerd. Um, (laughs) Nice. Going to college, (laughs) huh? Originally released by Paramount Pictures, the film stars James Stewart and Grace Kelly. The film is considered by many filmgoers, critics, and scholars to be one of Hitchcock's best and one of the greatest films ever made. It received four Academy Award nominations. Bonkers. But no Academy Awards? No Academy. I don't think it won The Academy is not really a good way to find what actually was the best thing at a time. It like never is. Like all of the films we talk about are like, it got one nomination. It's apparently the best film ever made. Anyway, wah, wah. that's my rant. Yikes. Frick you, Academy. Yikes. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. Just in general. Anyway, what's it about, Hannah? Let me tell you, you little son of a bitch. That person took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I don't know who that was. The story, the story is of a recuperating news photographer, played by 
our one and only Jimmy Stewart, who has us all feeling some type of way. That's true. <laughs> <Thanks> <laughs> who, Jimbo. Yeah, who you believes he has witnessed a murder. He's confined to a wheelchair after an accident. He spends his time watching the occupants of neighboring apartments through a telephoto lens and binoculars and becomes convinced that a murder has taken place. And Grace Kelly is also there. <laughs> Always. I don't quite understand the relationship. Well, they're kind you know, of, they were dating. Yeah, who but then he there? was like, no. And she's like, but I'm in love with you. And he's like, but nah. And I'm well, like, if you knew this the whole time, dude, what are you doing? Like, Well, I think he he likes her, but he doesn't want to. Because yes, he agreed. wants to prefer his career. And he, he thinks she, it won't work. Yeah, and he has these kind of misogynist things in his head to an extent of like, no, you can't come along. You can't be part of my life. My life has to be me. I'm just, a, I'm just a bro. I'm going out <laughs> doing bro things. I'm just a bro. I can't be tied down. I didn't ask to be a bro. Yeah, I, I was born this I, way. I, I didn't ask to be a bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was born this way. <laughs> anyway, I did keep thinking about the psych episode where the like yin yang episodes oh, yeah. of psych where they like oh, recreate alfred hitchcock moments mm-hmm. and where sean is is it sean i think sean ends up in the wheelchair <laughs> watching so. through the window and he's like trying to keep an eye on things and then he's talking to his dad over a walkie talkie and he like starts talking like jimmy stewart <laughs> and they're like focus <laughs> someone's gonna die <laughs> anyway good time you know who so else fun. is in this movie a puppy i don't know the name of <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's not that, a spoiler. That puppy was No, so I was going to say I was going to say the spoiler. Oh, okay. The puppy didn't make it to the end. No. <laughs> puppy number 2 did. There were two murders in this film. It's true. This actually in a weird way I feel like the part of the movie that actually has the most to say. It feels like that's the bit where Alfred Hitchcock is like, "Okay, here's my fucking point, you dipshits." Which is, I feel like is probably how Hitchcock would say that, except maybe a little bit more like Britishy. Dipshits, you dipshits. Dipshits. Where where they're like, you know, neighbors are supposed to talk to each other and things. Eh. I know she doesn't have a British accent, but you know, it's Hitchcock doing it. That's fine. In my bit, you know, she's like, you are real neighbors. You you, what? You killed him because he liked you. Just because he liked you. Um. And that's the bit where I'm like, oh, yeah, because Hitchcock's, like, obsessed with, like, the idea of film making you kind of this, like, voyeur and it makes you, in a weird way, like, a bad person by enjoying it. Um, And here he's, like, looking at you and he's being like, look at the way society is. We're out here watching the films, being creepy voyeurs and not giving a shit about the person next to us. Fuck you. I did read a lot about the voyeurism Voyeurism and scopophilia is what it's called. What if we made a movie about that? (gasps) That's why it is so interesting. Let me talk about it. Let's just jump to that part of the report. (laughs) What is the first movie that comes to my head? It doesn't have to to do with anything, (laughs) but it's just a movie that I... it's I'm like sorry. maybe adjacent. Though. I'm sorry, we're derailing. What you was guys, your thing? I'll actually just jump into the voyeurism because that's super interesting and I had quite a bit on that. Okay. Um, this lady actually wrote this big essay called Visual Pleasure in Narrative Cinema and she just talks a lot about Rear Window and identifies it as voyeurism and scopophilia, which scopophilia is essentially like the male gaze in Hollywood. You like watching Yuck. things, you like seeing. Yeah, so like you see that really... 
blatantly with a ballet dancer. Ew. Um, yeah, that was gross. It was, and it was just so much. It, it was, was like just, very regularly. Yeah, like his girlfriend is right there. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go yeah, and the guy is like, he calls her Mrs. Torso, yeah, or something. But then the like other guy doesn't. comes in, Doyle or whatever, and mm-hmm. he's like checking her out, and then he's like, "How's your wife?" And it's like, dude, you were just checking her out too. I hate it. It just says she's both a Miss Torso is both a spectacle for Jeff to enjoy as well as for the audience through his substitution. Uh, um, which seems to match also just how Hitchcock was as a person. From what I've heard, he's kind of deeply misogynist and kind of an asshole, maybe. I agree. This other guy wrote a book called Alfred Hitchcock's Rear Window, like literally just about the movie. And he's just saying like the voyeurism in this is like kind of the theme, but also a huge problem. Like it's not great. I should wait. Hang on. I had a note. I had a note. I think essentially it was just diving into the fact that people like looking. They like watching and it's it's easier to watch other people and hope something interesting happens to them even if it's bad mm-hmm. than like sit with yourself and look inward yeah. and deal with your own life mm-hmm. or your own broken leg in your wheelchair or your own relationship problems. Like, yeah. So... Yeah, here it is. Sorry, I've just found it. Uh, The quote from one of those books. Hitchcock recognized that the darkest aspect of voyeurism is our desire for awful things to happen to people, to make ourselves feel better and to relieve ourselves of the burden of examining our own lives. Hitchcock Mm -hmm. challenges the audience, forcing them to peer through his rear window and become exposed to, as Donald Spoto calls it, um, the social contagion of acting as voyeur. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting because it's like... I don't know, because he, he, he solves a murder. But, right, but he also, like... But it's not really like it's he's vindicated for doing that, like, for peeking in on everybody. Like, he's still kind of gross. Yeah. I feel like if there was a consequence, it would have... both of his legs. True, but, like... But then he, you know, fixed so, his relationship with his... Gr- right. It was, uh, like, it's, like, if he was... So I think in the short story, and I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this directly, but it's been years since I've read it. I should have reread it. Um, I think the point of the short story is that he kind of goes crazy. Mm. Like he is watching and so obsessed with the other people that he's just like trying to convince everyone around him that something's going on and no one believes him. And he's like kind of losing his shit. Yeah. Like just sitting there watching other people all day long. And... I mean, it's kind of like a weird analogy of like social media. Mm -hmm. Like when people just kind of sit there and you're just watching other people all day long. Like it's not really great for your brain. Yeah. So they were saying like the books about the movie were just saying, oh, there's a consequence of like when um, Lisa sneaks into the apartment. If something did happen to her or Mm -hmm. if she was hurt or fell or something, then like how the voyeurism has negative consequences but it kind of didn't it was kind of just like yep he's right <laughs> well he good was, thing he was there he was right but it also like all it did was mean that that guy got caught it didn't prevent anything from happening true and it didn't seem like he was like 
trying to kill again as far as it wasn't like he's some mass murderer. Except for the dog. He did do he did do the dog in. Upset about that. That's true. But it it, it you know, it it was like this like really shitty thing that this guy did that like he should have been caught for and whatever. Right. But it arguably did more damage than good. I don't know. It didn't True. it didn't feel like it just ultimately was good. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it wasn't. I think it just felt framed as a happy ending. Yeah, because it was being all Hollywood. It's pretty yeah. simple. It's being all Jimmy Stewart movie Says stuff. Robin Wood puts in his 1989 book, The Indulging of Morbid Curiosity and the Consequences of That Indulgence. Hmm. Hmm. The evolution, or Jeff's positive evolution, understandably, would be impossible without that voyeurism. Right. And yeah, also, people were like, yeah, and then it's like, he's like, no, Lisa, you're perfect, and this won't work. You're too perfect. Uh, yeah. I live an adventurous life, and like, you just can't keep up with me. And then she's like, watch me, bitch, and then sneaks into this guy's apartment, and then he's like, oh, I'm in love. I do love her. She's awesome. And it's like, dude, she, yeah. she was like getting shaken around by this dude because of you. You're right. Like, you made her feel like she wasn't enough, and then she went and risked her life. So that she was. I don't know. I just felt like there were some toxic it, habits happening. There are, and like he was not really he. She, the only net positive thing that could have happened in their relationship was for it to end and her to get with somebody who wasn't shitty. Yeah. Like, or like yuck. at the end when he's asleep and she's reading like some Himalayas book and then puts it down and picks up her fashion yeah. magazine. I'm like, no, it should oh. not have to be that way. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, like, why does she love him? Like, what does he got going? Yeah, he's also, he was 46 and she was 25. He was looking a little old, too. He looked older than 46. He was, he had some graying hair. Some graying hair. And I when can't he keep put his shirt on, he looked a little flabby. You're I was right. like, Jimmy, go to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Thanks, I've been practicing. <laughs> he reminds me of my grandpa. Uh-huh. Doesn't remind me of, I wish he, I wish my grandpa was like that. Right? Just was like, there's grandpa. Anyway. Uh, I saw a video of Orson Welles trying, like, at a roast for Jimmy Stewart. He gets up there and he's going to roast Jimmy Stewart. Roast. And then he mostly says positive things. <laughs> it was That's like, good. he was like, Jimmy Stewart, you always play this soft, nice guy. Because you're a soft, nice guy. You got some class. That's not how Orson Welles sounds. I just can't do Orson Welles any justice. <laughs> no one can do Orson Welles. Well, uh, the French. The <laughs> French. Well, let's talk about... Champagne. I feel so bad thinking that that's funny. It is Because funny, it's like though. obviously a very, very low point in his life. Like disastrously low point. It's so good though. Ending in him Aww. feeling like his he wasted his life trying to make movies. And Jimmy anyway. did? Orson. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I don't. These, there's sad times, but Bomeo. That was a little bit of ASMR for you. Whoa. Sorry. <laughs> Your bonus sneak peek of the Patreon. I watched anyway. that whole thing last night. <laughs> have you seen the Pop Cat? No. Sure. Yes, you have. This is a cat doing that. Surely. No. No more. <laughs> anyway. Let me talk Sorry. about the Academy Awards. Oh, yeah. And now it. your 
weird cats. They, their opinions are not valid. They were nominated for anyway. Best Director. Nice. Go Hitchcock. Best Cinematography. Robert Burks. Best Adapted Screenplay. John Michael Hayes. And Best Sound Mixing. Well, hmm. I'm going to segue with that into... Wait, first of all, I have to make this comment. Edith Head did good. the costumes. She did Sunset she Boulevard. Did she worked closely with... Yeah. Uh, we saw part of her exhibit at the museum once, I think, and she is <gasps> phenomenal. That's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She just worked with like uh, Audrey Hepburn, Elizabeth Taylor, Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire. So like, she's like God. Yeah. Literally, she is. When Grace Kelly walked in in the dress, I was like, I have seen what perfection looks like now. I can die peacefully. That's true. Peace out. And then I died. See, no, I got sad because I was like... Uh, I've seen perfection. Now I need to be perfection. And I can't. True. Like, she's just perfect. Grace Kelly is perfect. Let me just say that one more time. Perfect. We are all in agreement here. Hunter, you agree? I don't not agree. That's not agreeing. I'm relatively indifferent. You did not think she just looked absolutely stunning? Uh, she did, I guess, yeah. How do you... How do you not? I cannot think of a more perfect like face like, structure. No. Can you not yeah. be pleased? That's, no, that's fair. Like I her guess. dress. I'm sorry. Can I get a little more enthusiasm <laughs> from you for Grace Kelly? No, I just I just don't. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> to each their own. That's okay. That's pa- why people I'm have passionate different types. About a few things, and she is not one of them. That's she so was sad. good though. She was good. I'm not talking about like her acting or if you think she's hot. I'm like she just just look at her, look at her glowing. Do you understand the the the, yeah. the the objective perfection that we're yeah. talking about here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the studio. This was all filmed entirely at Paramount Studios. I'm gonna read this part because this was very fun, which included an enormous indoor set to replicate a Greenwich Village courtyard which was based off an actual place in New York. Um, Set designers Hal Pereira and Joseph McMillan Johnson. Um, I forgot to practice names. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's good. Spent six weeks building the extremely detailed and complex set, which ended up being the largest of its kind at Paramount. One of the unique features of the set was its massive drainage system constructed to accommodate the rain sequence in the film. They also built the set around a highly nuanced lighting system, which was able to create natural-looking lighting effects for both the day and night scenes. That's a lot of work when, I mean, maybe it would have been more expensive to get it to look real, like to actually just do it in a real Greenwich apartment place. But Yeah, like, I don't think they would have had the visuals that they did with a handcrafted yeah courtyard because it's like here's all the open windows and we need to be able to pan the camera from this side to this side and then up here like has to flow and have very clear openings it it was very clearly it was very impressive but it also did clearly look like a set it did it's like it had this trade-off of being like really cool what they're able to do but also not being quite as i agree immersive which i don't know if that's even the point like film doesn't have to be immersive yeah function but like in a weird way i felt like it added to like a short story feel mm. i don't know if that makes sense to your brain it, yeah. it does to mine but <laughs> but i just feel like the world was so small yeah mm-hmm. i don't know it just fit 
fit very well. Yeah. But anyway, it also said that they put in meticulous care and detail into the, uh, just the sets out. Wow, words are Exterior. so hard. Yes, just like yeah. what it looked like, the spacing of everything, and then two sounds, including the use of natural sounds and music. That's my favorite part about the movie, yeah. actually. So they yeah. used a lot of really popular songs that would like float into his apartment. So mm-hmm. people would be like, oh, that's Bing Crosby, that's Nat King Cole. Um, hmm. There was a guy who did like the music for the film, but he really only had score at the opening and closing. So uh, right. Um, that's why I think they got nominated for like sound mixing and not music. It's really cool the way that it does like just it's very obviously ambient noise that's like floating into the apartment. Yeah, like, that's like you're sitting by an uh, open window and it's summer and that's what I think makes it function. Yeah, it worked very well as nicely as it does. So um, that's fun. and that that piano guy was cool. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about. Thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the little bits they added. Like, yes, it was a small world, but they added lots of worlds within the world. Yes. I appreciate that. I have a thing about that, actually. Go. So I'm, I'm in a Shakespeare class. Good job. I'll own up to the fact that I'm also a nerd. <laughs> uh, I'm in a Shakespeare college. <laughs> you are? <laughs> Not just an English class. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's it's a whack class. And as we're reading it, Basically, there was this idea around Shakespeare's time of the dramatic unities. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of that. But it was like Aristotle's idea that then Castelvetro like kind of helped popularize. And this was like the standard in the time for plays mm. um, was dramatic unity, which is to say like uh, one main character in one location and one period of time. You know, like like it's it's one setting. Yeah. Um, and Shakespeare was like. No, fuck that. Uh, how about no, I do, that. I expand it. Um, yeah. And I have subplots and I have all these other right. things that tie thematically yes. to the film uh, or to, to, to the main plot and comment on, have like our, our commentary on like the main characters and whatever. And that was something that was like somewhat revolutionary in his time. But then that kind of became the standard. And mm-hmm. I feel like what's interesting about this movie is that it has some of the elements of a dramatic unity. It's like one time, one place, one main character, yeah. one location, all of this other stuff. But at the same time, it has subplots going just on. in like being like seeing what's going on, like with the, the couple that gets married and then they start fighting and yeah. all this other stuff and the piano guy and all these things that like maybe have something to say that like could contribute to the overall plot right. but are, are separate. Yeah. But without it meaning that the setting has changed and the main character has changed and stuff. Right. Which is crazy. It gets kind of cool he's doing both. Yeah, I agree. I think it added a lot of depth and life mm-hmm. and color. It keeps it like constantly interesting. Because even mm-hmm. if you're like bored just sitting there in the apartment, it's interesting what that person's doing over there. There's, right. Like, that kind of feeling like, of that people he's keeping himself entertained. It's making you entertained in the same way. And yeah. It goes back into the voyeuristic thing. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, I want to see what's happening in these yeah. people's lives, even though it's very simple. Someone yeah. just got married. Now they're bickering. I'd be like, okay. But then I'm seeing it happen and I'm like, oh, what a bit. Her like the dog getting lowered in the basket and then sleeping out on the balcony. The the suicide (laughs) stuff with that lady. Like that was. Yeah, that was rough. That was intense. Like, Mm. and that's like a look like that. It was like with her getting that look like you really shouldn't be. Yeah. Having is like, oh, it's like almost uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to watch her contemplating this while he just sits there. 
Yeah. And doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that it's that modest mouse song, that line. Everyone's a voyeur. They're all watching you. Watch them watch you right now. Or, I'm afraid. Or is it? I'm watching them. What? I'm, and they're watching me. Watch, watch them. Watch, watch, watch me watch, right watch, now. Ooh, spooky! I like it's that. Good. That's fun. Yeah. It's a good song. He's like, kind of a jerk. He's not good. Like, like he's bad. Yeah. He's not the greatest human being. But he's also Jimmy Stewart. And so exactly. Like so him. I loved him. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved the, what's her name? Stella? Stella! Stella! Yeah, no, she's cool. But I like I like she the way that she just <laughs> philosophizes all the time in like a very like, yeah. I mean, what, what what did she call it? Household philosophy or Oh, yeah. Something. There's some household philosophy for you. Yeah. I like it. Oh my gosh. So, well, yeah. And I just loved how morbid the language was. Mm-hmm. They just said it, and it's like, oh, even in other old movies, I just don't hear people talk about bodies being cut up and put into boxes. Like, right. just it just like seemed more shocking coming out of this small lady in a 1950s dress, yeah, than in like a modern movie, right? Because there's was, this, like this idea of it's, it's sort of dehumanized by the fact that it's taking place across the building, yeah, sort of like, yeah, like it doesn't, you know, they're not you know i guess maybe until the end like concerned for themselves or anything it's yeah. just like oh that's that's weird that that's happening over there and watching yeah. it like you would watch a movie like it's yeah and it's like they didn't really do a whole lot uh-huh. or and it's not like we were shown anything yeah really i guess everything was just kind of implied but yeah, it still remains vague at the end yeah it does and that kind of bugged me i was like because i'm used to being shown yeah. i think nowadays everything's kind of shoved down our throats yeah and with this, it wasn't. It's like mm. a lot of implying. And the most blunt information we got <laughs> was her suggestions of what was happening. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I appreciated her. She was a time. We're going to, when we get to Blade Runner, yes. we're going to talk about, like, that's kind of my spiel that I go into with Blade Runner is the way that audiences have more and more become trained to like expect things to be given to them in a certain way yes um spoon fed very little vagueness going on at all it all has to be yeah. very clearly laid out um and that blade runner doesn't do that Mm-mm. and it did. they tried to make it and do that it and didn't. it made it not oh. work. yeah um i think i i think i probably said that i still want to watch yeah. that version mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want to as well and i probably will when yeah. we do the report but like but yeah, it's it's weird because it comes around like the version of the movie that's good is the one that doesn't spoon feed you. But then a lot of people watch that and are like, I don't know. It was I, I didn't care. It was it was whatever is fine. And it's like, oh, yeah, like we are so heavily. It just makes me think like we're so heavily set in what we've been conditioned to be set yeah. in that there's so much enjoyment of in and. Uh, you know, there's so much information that's lost by the fact that we have been trained to not seek it out as yeah. much and to not want to seek it out as right. well because it's not sponges. fun sometimes, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. Like, like I don't know what the balance is between like enjoying the thing that's fun and training oneself to seek out something more when it's not fun and at the end of the day aren't movies supposed to be entertaining so like 
I don't know. Mm. Maybe it's just that times change and then something loses relevance because audiences change and maybe that's fine, but maybe there's also something to like fight back against. And isn't that the point of know. the podcast? I guess. <laughs> In I a way. Get into that. Some of those things are just elements that can be done poorly or well also. Yeah. I think me well, I think you're right. You have a point about media because it's like in psychology there's EQ or there's IQ. Mm-hmm. intelligent quotient and then eq which is your emotional intelligence and then there's cq which is the curiosity hmm. quotient and like i know people personally who have really high cq and they just learn 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 and they're seeking out information all the time and they actually don't like being on things like tiktok or social media or watching certain movies because it's just given to you in 60 seconds and it's like i don't know if this is what you're saying but my brain just started running with yeah. it Yeah. But yeah, I think like this one was interesting because it was like, oh, I'm like being given the hints and I'm being shown things and he's like sure about himself, but I questioned him. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, yeah, it's just more interesting to have the curiosity drawn out, like anticipation and wanting to know more is better for your brain and more engaging than just here. Yeah. Spoon fed to you. All day, every day, which and quickly. Is, which is kind of my case for why I like long movies and mm. why I like things like Tokyo Story. Yeah. Not to go back to Tokyo Story yet again. <laughs> but it's this like, I don't know. I, I, I am not, like, I'm not on social media all the time. Yeah. And I spend all of my time, generally, all my free time, digging into a specific topic that I happen to be very engaged in at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that comes to, like you know, the detraction of being able to even keep up with what other people are doing on social media and sometimes they'll talk to people for different ways, whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, that's why I thought Tokyo Story was funny because like, there's there's a long amount of time. There's like this stretch of time in which not too much is happening, mm. but I know that there is an intention with it. I know that right. this movie is considered the best movie ever made and I know so that funny. Ozu is known for his like naturalistic whatever. Yeah. And I have these small bits of information that lead me to, you know, presume that there is a point. Mm-hmm. And then I take all of my energy and focus and curiosity into finding that in the movie. And that brings me through the length of the movie because I'm trying to, I'm trying to get everything out of it that I can. And so I have all this time to do that essentially. Right. Um, so your CQ is higher than my CQ because I just don't care after a certain point. Yeah, that's fair. Just like my issue. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like, I, but is uh, I guess I wouldn't. I wouldn't know because you're you're the the psych major. But um, is that is, is CQ something that is like innate or is it something that is like like learned? trained trained? Um, yeah, because I never had much time on social media to begin with. I just didn't right. ever really get into it. You know, yeah. like, I, I wonder if there are just factors about, you know, the way that I've existed yeah. that have led to that growing rather than yes. the way that I naturally am. I, I think guess. it's both. It's kind of like that nature versus nurture argument. Right. And it's like certain people grow up and are born with this very natural, like psychologists will try to predict kids' future IQ scores by how they act hmm. when they're toddlers. Right. And they can. They're usually very accurate. Like their temperament predicts how they will be. So I think you are born with a certain level of it, but 
psychologists like 100 years ago would say, no, you can't change your IQ. You can't change your EQ, all this stuff. And now psychologists are like, you can very much change these things mm. just depending on how you like the brain's very flexible. Neuroplasticity means mm. you can adapt and change different things. So it's probably just harder. Like yours is probably more natural. So mm. it's like and these I know a couple other people who have a really high CQ and they I think they were just raised with like really no phones no TV time at all. Mm. Like they were just always bored in the evenings, so they just had to learn skills. So they play a bunch of instruments and they love reading and they love oh. being active. And it's like, because they had to fill their time with right. active things. So they just learned to love learning and mm. now they don't want the spoon-fed entertainment. Right. So I think okay. it's both, if that yeah. kind of answers your That makes question. sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think mean, it's very much both. I would like to improve mine because I can see where it's lacking. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thought. I, I'd never heard of CQ actually yeah. before. I definitely knew IQ and EQ and whatever, but, um, but yeah, like growing up as kids, like my sister and I are both, you know, we're 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 pretty similar as far as like you know academically we do well or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but I remember hearing the story that my parents thought there was something wrong with me because where my sister uh, would go from like toy to toy and was constantly kind of moving around and doing different mm -hmm. stuff as a kid i would like i guess kind of stay there with like one puzzle toy for like <laughs> two hours <laughs> just figuring it out i got it yeah and they, they thought i had mental problems and they were trying, trying to oh my gosh. fix me or something um and you never but i guess maybe it's an age. i guess <laughs> i didn't know like i remember uh yeah, like I, just times times of being a kid and being like, oh my gosh, it's only 7 p.m. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. I've got like four hours before I go to bed in which I can do all of this thing. Yay. And yeah, I don't know, stuff like that. Yeah. But it's also made it hard because like video games. Mm -hmm. I can't I can't do video games very well yeah. because it's such a like, like it, it, it's interactive, but it's just the experience that's crafted in a very specific way that's, the re repetition of the same thing and it feels like there's not anything generally for me to get out of it other mm -hmm. than doing it yeah and that just doesn't hold my interest ever yeah in the same way so it's, it's, it's got different things for I different guess. people yeah. yeah definitely yeah i think so too i just watched a ted talk a while ago about how we're robbing ourselves of our own boredom mm. and how crucial i'm totally on a tangent right now but <laughs> it's not about rear window um just how crucial it is and with smart smartphones especially every time we have a minute like or 30 seconds we just grab our phones mm. or you're sitting on the bus or in your room and you don't know what to do it's like you just grab your phone to check it or you end up on social media or texting someone and it's like if you don't just sit there and be bored bored's a bad sounding word but it's like if you don't just let your brain be quiet for a second you'll never know who you are or what you want to be like mm. what you even want to learn or what interests you because mm. you're just drowning out that right. space where it the brain usually processes that. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hunter, thoughts? No thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> He's meditating. He is embracing his boredom. What? <laughs> I'm saying you're like, who am no, I? No, I, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to contribute at this point. I don't know much about these these things. Uh, I'm just a nerd. I've, I've heard some at least small bits about the boredom argument, and I think that that is generally true. And yeah, I definitely wonder about that for myself because I feel like I've 
not let myself be bored historically very <laughs> much, and I wonder if that's if I, I can attribute some of my problems to that. <laughs> this old man um, voice says yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, my problem is I? that I, I I got too many easy fun things to do, and that's a problem. distraction. Anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. I That's mean, the whole world right now, though. Yeah, I mean, I spend so much of my time being like, uh, I'm bored, what do I do? And so I yeah. pull up YouTube. Right. I, I guess I it just it might end up being somewhat kind of beneficial by the fact that, like, my YouTube habits are not generally, like, what is the recommended video and just watching a bunch of different things. It's usually, it's like... Yeah, like, I tend to pour all my time into, like... Lately, it's been like more political conversations mm-hmm. and like, oh man, I'd never heard that concept before or yeah. that in this country they have this policy, which does this thing. Right. And so it, it kind of is like my brain is kind of still moving. Like I, I get very, I've gotten to the point where I can't really watch things like vlogs or, yeah, you know, that kind of thing where she, someone's just doing something because I'm like, I'm not learning anything Uh. right well and i think that takes the argument a step further i'll wrap it up after this Mm. but also just talking to these two people i know um it's two brothers and they just soak up information like a sponge and they literally said we they're like we know we love learning and we just kind of like emerge ourselves in different things all the time but (laughs) the younger one's like actually i've been experiencing this thing in the last year called like analysis paralysis that's just what they would call it. And he's like, you learn so much, but really if you don't use it, you do lose it. So he's like, I'm trying to take in all the stuff because I love it, but I'm not gaining anything. So then it's like yeah. a waste. Yeah. And so yeah. he's like, I started a journal and he's like, I started limiting, limiting myself on YouTube. He's like, yeah, I can watch maybe one educational YouTube video and then I have to get off, process that information and go do something creative mm. or something. Like use the mm-hmm. educational material you're taking in to inspire yourself to go make something of your own yeah and he started a journal for all the books he's reading and docs he watches or whatever and he'll like make a short entry of like information he learns and then he turns it into to-dos so he's like just finding some way to apply whatever he's learning and apply it to his life Mm -hmm. so he doesn't lose it that's interesting i was like look at these people go yeah what am i doing with my life (laughs) well i mean i feel like the podcast kind of fits that to an extent you know yeah i would probably be watching a lot of these movies anyway in right. my never-ending insatiable goal to see every important movie ever or right. understand everything about a director possible or something mm-hmm. um but it's heck of a lot more interesting when the three of us are able to come around here and write about it and then talk about it and turn it into something creative you yep. know it it be, yeah be it makes creator, it feel like it's consumer. worth it yeah yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. There's my tangent. That's good. I Psychology. Like it. Thank you very much. Ooh. That was very interesting, honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably more interesting. There really wasn't a whole lot of information on Rear Window. Like, mm. people liked it. People liked it. It had a budget of $1 million. It made $5.3 million in the box office. Dang. That's actually, yeah. During well, its run, yeah. Pretty good. Um... This is a this movie happened. People uh, just liked it. They were just like, "Yeah, it's tense and exciting." There's a build up to the punch, and it's well done, and deception and amusing, and blah blah blah. 
It was interesting though, because it like people just liked it. Doesn't sound like it's leading much to like. Like I guess there's some talk about what the film is doing as far as making you a voyeur, but it's not like people are reading it in some sort of moralistic way either, right? Mm-hmm. Like people aren't like taking a lesson from it. They're being thrilled by it. And that almost in and of itself is very interesting and yeah. reminds me of that thing that despite people saying Tomorrowland isn't good and that probably being true is something that I go back to a lot Yeah, because there's the that bit where they're like, it was probably my last tangent, but it, I think it relates. <laughs> um, but there's this bit at the end of the movie, right? Where they're like, ah, you know, we were worried about the world going to this dystopia. And so we, we made movies. We did all this other stuff to, to like, this is where mm-hmm. things could go. This is what's bad. This is what like, this right. is what could happen. And people just started eating it up and they liked it. Right. And that's all they cared about. And so True. nothing was done about it. People were just here we are. interested in it. Right. Um, it feels that it feels like that same way. Like True. sometimes you, you deliver a message of like, this is a problem. And then yeah. people are like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> and that. you're like, are you going to think about it? And they're like, that's fun. And I'm like, um, okay. People love that. That's what sells. Right. People want to see what they can't see. Which is why it feels like people are not to get political. I'm not going to get political, <laughs> but people are kind of having a difficult time mm-hmm. actually coming to terms with things that are happening right mm-hmm. now because it's this like, well, it couldn't possibly be like, that's like, it's like movie shit. Like it's not like things, things really are that way. Right. It's not like, it's like no, they're that it's way. It's not like art and storytelling and whatever is kind of a reflection of real life or anything. Yeah. And that's why we can connect to it. It's, it's, uh, no, it's not, it's not even possible for things to be this way. And so people are just having this massive, like, uh, what, what is the, what is the word for that? this um like cognitive dissonance oh yeah like but huh but no they can't accept and yeah then it's just like weird it's not what's happening isn't what's happening yeah somehow and then there's just tension in everybody yeah a mental tension yeah yeah um yes that's really interesting yeah well we were just talking about that because i make these social media videos now and we made one and got to talk to the guy who test them out and sees if they're good enough to post or whatever. Um, and he's like, he's like, you guys are doing great. Like making these videos and they're like staged. They're supposed to look real. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes, you're trying to make them flashy and entertaining, but what's actually going to hook people is them seeing something they think that they shouldn't be seeing. So mm-hmm. he's like, Oh, if a girl, so it's like a camera and this girl like walks into the bathroom. It's not, like she's using the bathroom. She's like washing her hands and it's like, what what does a girl do in the bathroom? Like, is she actually arguing on the phone? Which is what we try to do. Something entertaining and like, oh, they'll want to listen in. It's like, no. What's this girl doing? Like, does that make sense? Like, yeah. people want to see what's behind the closed door. Get more gross. More people like. Yeah. People, more money. Yeah. People just want to know what they actually do. Yeah. Yeah. So I played with that and I was like, this is what girls actually do. And I like took paper towels and stuck them under my armpits. I've totally seen girls do that. that and it's like, that was more interesting right. than that's a, <laughs> arguing yeah. with somebody. So anyway, that's a total sidebar and doesn't make any sense without context probably in what I'm doing. It but makes sense with the in the context of this movie though. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's just like people don't really care if it's flashy or in your face, like the married couple starting to bicker. It's like, yeah. it's just, I'm not supposed to be there and know about that. So mm-hmm. I'm therefore interested. Yeah. And I... Can't help but just like 
you know, enjoy it. And then when the camera cuts back to Jimmy Stewart looking at him, be like, you disgusting. Yeah, exactly. We I'm judge like, him. Yeah. Yeah. I did too. I was like, and why is he watching that girl? Right. But it's like, it is interesting. Look at all those guys in her apartment. And then she has a fella and he comes home. Like, yeah. <laughs> which was funny. And it's like, oh, I don't know. I think, I don't know Hitchcock's intention with all of it for sure. Hmm. Like, I know it's the theme is voyeurism, but it's also like he very much incorporated the male gaze with the ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if he's, like, wanting the audience to kind of question themselves and be like, oh, that's gross that he's doing that, but I, I'm doing that. From from what I know of him, he, he has kind of this, like, yeah, look at you, you gross piece of shit audience member. Yeah. Vibe like, to question him. yourself. It forces you to. Yeah. I think it should. I think people who are, like, that miss the point of the voyeurism are less self-aware. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, it sh- that should be what sticks with you. It's not so much the plot, but like, what would it's I much, do? Whoa, it was so thrilling, but like, yeah. fuck, what? Like, what, does, what does that say about humanity? Because yeah. it actually says a lot about humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. interesting. Thanks. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, I have an anecdote. Uh, go. Go for I it. I think I've probably said it before on the podcast multiple times, but I, it feels like it's the only episode where it's actually relevant. Mm. Um, I am f- uh, only a few, um, what, a few steps removed from Hitchcock, a few oh. degrees of separation oh. removed, I guess. I feel like you told me that. I forgot. Yeah. Cause, uh, so my mom's like babysitter through like a, a decent amount of her childhood was Hitchcock's yeah. daughter. Oh my and gosh. Like, I, I don't know. My mom is like had funny stories about that a lot. Like, you know, there's the, you know, portraits of Hitchcock in the house that she used to like, you know, grow up like right. being watched in and whatever. And I was like, who's that fat guy? He's <laughs> like, mm. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Like, yeah. Cause living where I do in the, uh, financial bracket that i do it's very surprising to me that like yeah i don't know there would be a connection to fucking hitchcock, or something. hitchcock. yeah who would have thought my mom grew up like super loaded i guess <laughs> was, well what the heck yeah that's that's my thought was like You're okay like, um based off of my political uh education i've learned that apparently the u.s is very poorly rated in financial <laughs> mobility which is to say like if your parents are rich you are probably going to be rich it'd be hard for you to fuck that up and if your parents are poor it'd be pretty hard for you to end up being rich um yeah but somehow my mom grew up like loaded and then like ended up you know having to be like a three job home oh my gosh in, you know someone else's house yeah you know like it, it, i don't you know it's know. just funny how that works i guess yeah you never know you never know you never know <sighs> yeah it's so. easier it, than the opposite yeah true I'm sure i uh, yeah it's probably easier to accidentally end up poor than accidentally end up rich. um but i think a lot of that is also doing the like fafsa thing of presuming that like the rich person in your family is actually going to share some of their yeah. wealth which is true. not always really the case nope like my FAFSA was like ridiculous. The the like EFC or whatever the estimated family oh, yeah. contribution yeah. was like like I, I it was ridiculous. Um, and that didn't actually relate to 
there actually being anything there. Yeah. This is weird how that works, I guess. Um, don't money, moral money, of the money. story: don't presume uh, generosity or something. <laughs> yes. When you're a governmental institution and are supposed to somehow contradict uh, poverty or or something, like if your goal is to wipe out mm. poverty. Don't just anticipate everybody being generous, but maybe that's too much of a political statement and I shouldn't make it on this podcast. Maybe that's not the goal. uh, Maybe. Hey, maybe Elon Musk gets more of a say than I do. Maybe we are heading towards at least some college getting easier for people soon. Maybe hopefully. That's actually true. I've heard rumors. I've also heard. I've also heard rumors that I might actually be able to get the next stimulus check. Us too. Which would I be mean, cool. I, I don't know. I guess I don't know all the details, but just seeing people talk about it being like, there's money coming and adult dependents are included. And I'm just like, Ugh. I specifically even heard like college students as an nice. example of that. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. It'd be good for me that we would give forgotten me last time, so. a small amount of money to be able to put towards the next semester that I can't pay for. <laughs> Literally. So, uh, yeah. I have a couple cool. notes. Yes, please. On Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because he's interesting. Oh, he's fat. Um, he was a little he's bit. A w- he's got a little chin. chubby. He's a whale. He's born in 1899. I know oh. that. He was born in 1899 wow. on August 13th. He died in 1980? Yes. Nice. Yeah. No. Good job. He was he 80 died years old. In 1898. Born in England, died in California, right? Wow. Are you stalking Alfred Hitchcock? <laughs> Leave, yes. him al- Leave him alone. <laughs> God, I stock all the film daddies. Who was he? Who was he married to? All the big ones. Uh, Did know. he have kids? Uh, he had. Well, obviously, Me. he had a daughter. Huh. What was her name? Uh, my mom's babysitter, <laughs> uh, Mrs. My mom's babysitter, <laughs> Patricia Hitchcock. Yeah. I'll oh be, my gosh, that actually. Yeah. Okay. I'll be yeah. looking her up later. Patricia Hitchcock. She old now. All right. Um. Just about his style, people just talk about um, how he was really focused on using the camera movement to mimic a person's gaze, mm. thereby turning viewers into voyeurs and framing shots to maximize anxiety. Um, I just really liked the flashbulb shots. Oh, he yeah. He would do it to the guy's eyes, and then they'd have the orange. Like mm-hmm. That was yeah. pretty great, just for the time, like an ambitious... I don't know. Yeah. You just didn't see That's a lot fun. of people doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun that people just wrote about his style and said, um, in the progression from shot to shot, a Hitchcock film is an organism with the whole implied in every detail and every detail related to the whole. Like he made sure everything tied into each other. Mm-hmm. And then he had rear window in 1954, vertigo in 58, North by Northwest 59, psycho in 1960. And he got best director nominations. He had, 46 Oscar nominations and six wins. Jeez. And then in 2012, Vertigo replaced Orson Welles' Citizen Kane as the British Film Institute's greatest film ever made. Which makes me a little salty, maybe. Which is based on its worldwide poll of hundreds of film critics. Right. That's, yeah, the trend is Not Rear Window, Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah. Which I I do like Vertigo. Right. Uh, The reason I think Rear Window ended up on this list is, I mean, one, because I love it. Too, mm-hmm. because anecdotally, like the people I happen to know also tend to talk about it more than Vertigo, yeah. but also on Letterboxd, it's higher rated. Interesting. Which for some reason I go to over Sight and Sound or something. Yeah. But. Well, 
good that times. That is like pretty much the report. He's got a silhouette. Yep. He it looks like a is... stereotypical British butler. He does. Alfred. What if the butler was your Alfred. boss? And was Not cussing at you on set. Wow. And calling you a bitch. Scary little bitch. He's a he's a time. Bitch. I mean, he is what he is. Yeah, he he ha- definitely had favorite actors: mm-hmm. Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, Grace Kelly, Doris Day. Some good good folks. The he classics. made fifty four films though. Like he started out True. doing silent films, and then he like started getting old popular. You know, he's doing well, and then he did talkies. He was getting a bit bigger, and then he moved over to Hollywood right. after that. Like all his most successful successful ones are all back to back to back. Mm-hmm. Like from Rear Window to Psycho. I mean, Rebecca's pretty big too, but that was I yeah. think late forties. Yeah, he definitely has like lots of good ones, but it's just interesting that those four yeah. or five are all right next to each other, mm-hmm. and those are the ones I hear most about. Yeah, on Letterboxd, so, those are the four most popular. Yeah, ones. Mm-hmm. and he's just he was on a roll that decade. <laughs> so good times. Anyway, cool. Well, thanks, y'all. Thank so, where'd you put it on your ranking? of the movies oh, I don't have Where, a, how do you I feel don't about have it a ranking but i'm pretty sure i gave it four and a half stars that's good yeah i really enjoyed it i don't think it was like the best movie ever that's fair like yeah. but i really appreciated it and i mm. love the cast yeah yeah it was good how you feel gunter i put it at like number six i think right above seven samurai mm-hmm. interesting uh i put it um a few steps below seven seven i put it at number seven um i i i think it's one of the better ones we've covered it's obviously i think it's probably in my top 50 movies i know i haven't like sounded like i'm super yeah into it whatever um but i think that's just because i'm i'm trying to fight my like ingrained hipster instinctive like the thing everybody thinks is the best i don't want to like as much or i want to feel like my my taste is somehow unique but but it's good like every time i watch Mm it 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 is genuinely like something that like has a pulse like yeah it's fun it's engaging yeah it does work it's Um, very well done you should read the short story and tell me what you think about it that would be good probably like it Mm -hmm. cool well uh thanks y'all for the thing and to listen thing yeet and as is tradition i have to waffle until i get a signal Wait, from the boy that going. Uh, he's found a thing <laughs> because we have a tradition that essentially is that when i conclude episode i say and as we say at the end of every episode a thing and i waffle at this last <laughs> bit where i am using words for no real reason to try to get to the point Excellent. in which my friend uh, and and human being in my life sometimes at least once a week usually person that I call Hunter finds a thing on the internet because he <laughs> didn't for. write it down <laughs> usually when he was watching the movie thing that says, and he says... <laughs> Any day now. <laughs> he says a quote. These quotes suck. Just do one. He's so picky about the quotes. Like I like the writing he, in this movie, but a lot of these ones just kind of isolated, kind of suck. The dialogue is real good. This um, thing and that we say, the end. 
a thing, and that thing uh, is... I'm not much on rear window ethics. They said the movie in the movie. Oh, oh wow. wow. Good one. Thanks. Mm. Okay, bye. Bye. Woo!